Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Only Podcast. I am your co-host, Austin Smith, joined as always by your other co-host, John Kirby. You can find us on Twitter at ACSmith06 and at John underscore Kirby. And as always, follow the mothership at The Only Colors. Today is Thursday, August 13th. John. John. Hello. John. Yep. Uh, So do you have any plans for the fall? I'm going to get really into pumpkin patches. That's pretty cool. I'm going to visit everyone in a 90-mile radius of Chicago. That's a very socially distant, friendly activity. I think you might be beyond to something. I was thinking of, um, I don't even know, like trying trying out how to make moonshine or something, something to really dull the pain. Um, But as everybody who's listening to this is surely aware, the reason we are making plans for the fall is because there will not be a Big Ten nor a Pac-12 football season uh, in 2020. Well, no, at least not in 2020. Um, just yesterday on Tuesday, the boards of both conferences, the presidents met uh, and decided to not just postpone the football season, but to, well, I guess they did postpone the season, but um, it is it is not going to be happening this fall. There is still some potential for the spring, but at this point in time, your fall Saturdays will be looking a little bit different. John, your initial reaction? I'm pretty bummed that there won't be any 11 o'clock p.m. Pac-12 after dark starts. Um, yeah. You know, low-key, one of my favorite things is, like, riding that drunk right on through and, like, having a reason to keep it going. Um, Watching, you know, Oregon play Utah and being like, yep, let's uh, crack another brew and keep this thing, keep the buzz on rolling because tomorrow's going to be really hard no matter what. (laughs) <laughs> you and me, beer. We got a good thing. Let's keep <laughs> <Yeah>. this going. <laughs> but uh, speaking of 11 o'clock, 11 a.m. kicks, um, not happening. No. Uh, we have joked that no season for Michigan State could maybe low-key be a really good thing. Um even with that on the table, this sucks. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, I mean, yes, and you're right. Like the tongue, the whole tongue-in-cheek bit of, I hope they don't play. You know, all this stuff. Obviously, you know, there, there. I mean, I do still genuinely kind of believe that there's some truth to that. Um, but 
you know, more of like the pageantry of it. I feel bad for the kids who are losing their season because their leadership in their, you know, of their program and of their sport and of their country just totally failed them. And it, through no fault of their own, um, that is, that is brutal. But uh, for, for us, the fan, the, the people that, you know, probably matter the least in this whole equation, um, it is definitely a bummer. Like that, that Saturday is something that, you know, your entire life, you, you know, you've got that good, bad or indifferent. You have football to watch. It's, it's, you know, it's an American pastime and to not have that, to not, you know, know that the sleepy 11 a.m. start uh, in Evanston is bound to catch someone every year to, to know that Michigan state won't, you know, have that opportunity to wear just the horrible neon again. I mean, these are the things that we lose when football season goes away. So, um, it's, it's interesting because I, I think, you know, to, first John, I want to see, so Kevin Warren, the new big 10 commissioner came out and, and basically said he didn't want to say whether the decision was unanimous or not, which I think is pretty obviously means it was not unanimous. Um, but he still stepped up and made that the decision to postpone the season, at least until the spring, uh, if at all. And I'm interested in, you know, what you think of the job that he's done. Did he do the right thing? Did he, you know, handle this as well as he could have? Okay. Um, sometimes I think people don't know if we're kidding or not. And right. <laughs> sometimes I don't know. So bear with us in this explanation. Um, Kev, you can do the right thing and also fail miserably. Uh, I think he managed to do that. So congrats on the, you know, the, the half win. Um, here, here's why. Austin and I have long campaigns that we should have been co-Big Ten commissioners. And I will go on record that at the very least – we would not have waited until August 11th to make a decision without any going through every contingency plan uh, available to us because we bumbled through this summer just sort of dicking around and going in back and forth between can we go in bars or not? And right. then the school year came upon us and everyone was like, Right. The thing we've done every year of our entire lives is upon us again. How did it get here so quickly? Oh, wait, I thought you were making the plans for how this is going to work. And it never happened. And it's just kind of, it's embarrassing that in, when you get a five-month head start, you have other um, organizations, sport-related, around the globe who have given models for how to do things, or at the very least attempt to do things, and you do nothing. And like, and you just say, I guess we just hoped the virus would disappear and we could just go back to normal. So all Kevin Warren and any AD has done between March and August, at least publicly, is say, we will go from 100% capacity to like 20%. Wow, what a step wow. taken! Yeah, Are you kidding me. Yeah, and and I have to agree. I mean, I think you know they spent the time that they could have spent 
actually putting a real contingency plan into place, um, basically building out a schedule that they had to know would probably never actually get played. Like it's actually, it's funny, John, like a little peek behind the curtain for everybody. It's kind of hysterical because we were planning to preview this adjusted schedule. And it's honestly kind of comical that they even spent the time building in two bye weeks. They thought that was going to be the answer to this whole thing. Didn't change the travel schedule. Didn't change like all of this stuff. All you really did was build in two bye weeks that you could move games to because you knew kids were going to get sick. Yeah. And Austin, like you texted me or, and we're like, are we going to go through the schedule tonight? And we're like, no, why why would we do that? What a waste of time, just as big of a waste of time. It was for Kevin Pauga to have to put this together. I hope he got paid to go through that. Better have gotten paid for that. Yeah. That's terrible. It's so, like, that was cute. <laughs> yeah, what are you doing? It, it's, it, it's, a, it's an embarrassment. And while I do understand that these are student athletes, so there was that, there's always that caveat of like, can we make them, you know, go to their own bubble for, you know, weeks, months at a time? Guys, yes, because the Big Ten basketball season as is makes these kids miss how many days of class yeah stop putzing around this whole student athlete facade i mean well that's just it i i think that that is really one of the more interesting elements of this whole thing is that there is a way to do this like there's 1000 percent of way to do this and that's to simply not bring kids back to campus except for the athletes that's your bubble your bubble's then built. They're the only kids within this entire, in Michigan State's case, like eight, you know, many, many acres of land. This is, they are essentially contained within this bubble. They're only living in these one dorms. Like you can do it, but in order to do it, you have to completely back away from, like you said, John, the facade of the student athlete. And that was never going to happen because that in turn completely erodes what's left of the shreds of the NCAA is like clinging to relevance. Like if you essentially admit, yeah, these are not student athletes, these are just athletes, you completely erode everything that the NCAA has stood on forever. You erode and completely put the the ax to the, the neck of amateurism. You completely concede on name, image, and likeness, and you more or less set the stage for these players to all get paid, which completely renders the NCAA irrelevant. So in order to have sports, the NCAA had to more or less like like commit seppuku and just like fall on the sword, which they were never going to do. They'd rather go through this entire charade. Um, and and so we are sitting here today with no college football, at least in in the Big Ten. And um, to bring it back to Michigan State, you know, it's funny because I've seen again. We do say some things tongue in cheek, like, "Well, it'd be great to not have a season because then MSU won't, won't lose some games." I think there are like levels of truth to that, and I do think there is. If you're looking at a silver lining, there is a silver lining that MSU now does still get to practice all fall and catch up on all of the spring and summer practices that they missed. And they desperately, desperately, desperately needed under Mel Tucker 
in his first year. They still get to do that all fall and then potentially play in the spring. If not, you get all your spring practices and summer practices next year. Supposedly, you get another year to build up your talent pipeline. And all of those things are great, but they are they are definitely the silver lining around the fact that Mel Tucker is probably going to go well over a year without coaching an actual football game. And these guys are going to go well over a year without playing and playing an actual football game. And it is it is difficult to continue to build momentum, especially in recruiting, which is where MSU needs it really badly um, without actually putting a product out onto the field. That said, again, if you want to look at the silver lining, MSU can't put a terrible product out on the field, which is probably what would have happened. So there is that weird little silver lining, but that is all very tongue in cheek. There's no way around it. This is this is not a great thing for Michigan State's program. Would you agree? Yeah, it's 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 bad for so many reasons. I you know, and, and one other thing I wanted to get on the board was, you know, I think it's a little misdirected to you know have to blame to blame people for not wearing masks as the reason we don't have football certainly um wearing masks mitigates the spread of the virus but the virus will still be here in a month and in two months and in three months okay and while I'm 100% advocating for everyone to wear a mask to mitigate, as I mentioned, that spread, that is not the thing that would have allowed us to play college football. The thing that allows us to play college football is competent leadership, like Adam Silver is directed, in creating environments so that you can play the sport with proper protocols to do so. And while I, I laugh at the SEC, ACC, and Big 12's bravado because they have no plan. Just right. because you want to do something does not mean that it's going to be done well. I want to be good at sports. I am not. Okay? <laughs> if I plan, practice, and strategize to become better, I might be able to become better. But if I sit in my hands and claim that the virus will go away and frankly don't do shit for five <laughs> months, how can I expect to play the sport, do the thing we all want? Everyone wants to play. No one did anything. And it's just a real shame. You know, there's a lot of finger pointing going on because when bad things happen, inevitably it's human nature to look for a person or thing to blame. Listen, we're on the virus's terms and we didn't work within its parameters. We did nothing. And it's a shame because it's not that complicated. It's really not. Especially when you have all the money. There's, it's not like we're trying to, we're like, we are a non-revenue sport podcast. Like right. <laughs> that's where it'd be probably really difficult to organize something when there's no money, buddy, there's money. Like, Oh, there's plenty. There's so much money that's going to be lost because of incompetence and lack of creativity. And it just like, it, it astounds me and saddens me to see so much incompetence across right. the board, 
across the board. And it starts at the NCAA at the top who who deferred any type of leadership role um, from the get go, which is just mind boggling. Well, here's the other part, just to pronounce how bad it was. No sport, NBA aside, had more lead time than college football. Like they had to cancel their biggest event because of the very initial wave of this virus. That was in March. Mm -hmm. Like these guys knew what they were dealing with as much as anybody could. And and still, like you said, just sat on their hands and did absolutely nothing. And, And it's it's the failure of the the ultimate failure of the NCAA is that they gave this decision making to the very similar to the federal government and how they turned over their plans and just said, hey, the governors are going to take care of it state by state, which never made any sense. It makes no sense that the NCAA said all the schools are going to handle it individually. So now you're talking about 100 different uh, cooks in the kitchen instead of just one united front um, leading the way and potentially, you know, ruffling some feathers among some people and just dealing with it. Uh, It's it, it truly proves, you know, that the NCAA is useless. What are they? They're, they're a glorified event planner. Um, and at this point, they don't do anything of real value. I mean, John, you were making the point to me before we came on that people think that they organize the NCAA tournament. They don't. They hire companies to organize the, the NCAA tournament. They remind me of that character from Office Space who he starts talking to his bosses and they're like, so what would you say you do here? He's like, well, I take files down to... He's like, well, I, you know, I print these reports and like, oh, so you, what do you do with the reports? You take them down to this department. He's like, no, my secretary does that. So what do you do here? I'm a people person. What don't you understand? Exactly. Okay. So you don't do anything. What do you do? Uh, I mean, at colleges, I'll volunteer my hands up, hire me to hire your companies for you. I'll do that. I can do a much better job of the, than the NCAA. So it's just, it, it, it's a big fraud. It's all a big lie. And I think you'll see that ultimately cost the NCAA, you know, very dearly within the next handful of years. But in in the here and now, I think, John, you and I both agree it was the right move. It was the only move to be made. And I guess that leads to the next natural question of, you know, you kind of said it already, but I am curious do you think the SEC or Big 12 or ACC will legitimately try to play football? And if they, is it even a, a possibility? Again, like, unless they've just chosen not to share their plan, right. th- then it's, then no. Because the reason, the reason Kevin Warren made the right decision to cancel the season is because he didn't have a plan. Like that is, which is awful, right? Like right. So it's showing up on the, on, you know, your, your presentation day and just saying, I didn't do it. So I have to cancel. It's like, well, what? Okay. Huh? So I guess that is the right move that you canceled because otherwise we would have just been watching a debacle, but <laughs> that doesn't excuse the fact that you really screwed up. It's saying it's it's when they're going around asking for you to read your book report and you say, I didn't read the book, so skip me. Like, yeah. all right, well, at least you were honest about it, but you like saved us you, some time. You, you yeah. failed like yeah. pretty badly. It's astonishing. So and so like 
basically these three conference commissioners also didn't read the book, but are going to go forward with their presentation. They're Billy Madison. In, just up there making just making it up. And I think we're all the professor saying everyone here is dumber for that explanation. May God have mercy on your soul. I know, and I <laughs> and I really want to laugh, but knowing that there are gonna be people that are going to will get sick. Will get sick. Yep. And will and 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 I hate the pushback of well, elite, you know, the players, they know it. The coaches know it and they're taking that risk. Well, guess what? Unless they are secluded with this plan that we haven't seen yet, that their sickness that is inevitable because they're going to be in large groups gathering amongst their campuses of individuals. And if you think that college kids are not going to leave their dorms. Yeah, you're an idiot. And spread it to other people, to older people, to people with underlying illnesses. Staff. By the way, offensive linemen, last time I checked, are fit are clinically obese, which is an underlying condition. Did yep. we forget that? Like, th- much less not knowing the long-term effects. Like, I, why why it is cowardly to 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 err on the side of caution is beyond me. But that's where we're at, and we're it's not lost on me that the two conferences that have decided to punt. Um, Includes the Big Ten, which is hilarious in itself. Which is so poetic. But they also feature the the universities with the highest rated academic institutions. And like maybe that's a coincidence, but all I'm seeing is people just marching into a storm and just saying, by God, by will, I'm going to get through it. And like like we talked about, just because you want something to happen doesn't mean it will. And unless these guys have a just an incredibly buttoned up plan that we haven't seen, then I I just I don't know how you do it because we've already seen it fail when we get mass groups of people together around the country. And like the worst part about this is is it's not just a one time gathering. This is a twelve plus week thing of people coming and going so like statistically based on the virus infection rates today it's just gonna happen and it's a damn shame that you know people may have long-term effects because we just really didn't think through this so as someone who loves college football so much that we talk about it on a podcast i'm still (laughs) this like i'm still in shock that there are so many institutions who are choosing to move forward. Um, I don't get it. Um, yeah, I, I think it'll be very interesting to see to see how they actually progress. Because I, I have a feeling part of part of this is potentially really savvy on their parts, not from a they're actually going to play perspective, from potentially from a PR perspective, like. All these guys are doing is just, like you said, punting. They're, but but it's, a, it's a pooch punt as opposed to the flip the field punt that the Big Ten did. Um, they're just pooching on the virus right now. Uh, and, you know, 
it's just a punt a week, two weeks, so that they can throw together some sham of a study that's going to say, nope, turns out fat people uh, don't do really well with cardiovascular uh, diseases. Yes, cor- correct, which is exactly what's at stake here, I mean, which is why it seems to me to be borderline criminal to allow 18 to 22-year-old kids who don't even know how to make lunch. Like, I, I was the biggest idiot on the planet when I was 18 to 22. To think that you would have given me the decision to take on a virus, which I have little to no control over getting, like in that situation is, is again, it's borderline criminal. You're enabling just reckless behavior. And that, I, I don't think because of all of those things, and honestly, the potential lawsuits that could come out of it, I think these that's not lost you know, the capitalism part of this is is not lost on these guys. Like we, like you said, we don't know the long-term ramifications. We know the short-term can be really bad. There's no telling how bad the long-term could be. Um, and if it turns out that, and you also, by the way, you don't know what the effect of it is on somebody who is like exercising at max effort, potentially while having it or while being exposed to it. You, there's just way too much that nobody knows that to allow for this to happen. So I think it's ultimately probably more of just a PR move. And that's, I will say that's, that's, you know, obviously we're, we've been ragging on Kevin Warren. I think the only thing he could have done on this day, like you said, you know, he already failed no matter what he, you know, by canceling, he's admitting he failed, but he could have waited for the PAC 12 to come out and be the first. And so he didn't attract the spotlight so hard. That's probably the only PR move. I think a, I think uh, Jim Delaney probably would have done that <laughs> because he doesn't want to be the name. He doesn't, he doesn't want it to be Big Ten and Pac-12. He wants it to be Pac-12 and Big Ten. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, so you, know, you could have handled that part slightly better, which is so, so minute in the grand scheme of this whole thing. You know, and I wonder if it's almost like you almost do want to be first, though, because yeah. then you can True. look back and be like, we knew because we looked at the last six months of this earth and so yeah, true. this wasn't going to work out very well. Of course we want college football this fall. We would love that if the SEC, ACC and big 12 figured out a way to do this, if they do, then it's, it's because they had an incredibly buttoned up plan that is been instituted across the board, not just because the virus, they, they like outgridded the, out, the virus, you know, they just, they just worked harder than it. They were you know? scrappier. It's like, and, and the, that's just such a football thing. That's not lost on me either. Like by, you know, by God, we're just going to work harder than the virus is not a thing that's oh, lost on happens. me. That, that, that football guys are like, right. We're just going to out tough it. And it's like, <laughs> okay, bud. Sure, dude. That's ex- it's essentially what they're saying. I mean, yeah, it is where we're at. And yeah. And for Nebraska and all of their um, arrogance today. <laughs> and I say arrogance because it's it's misdirected um, when when they say we just want to play football. Well, we all do. Look, yeah, we'd love keep, that. Keep Trust up, me. Keep up. We all want that. No one is out here saying like, you know what? would be sick if we threw away the biggest financial uh, 
revenue maker for this conference. Yeah. No one's like, you know what we should get rid of football. No one's no, no one's having that conversation. This is should we save some lives? Should we do the right thing? Did we botch really hard? Yes. No kidding. And for Nebraska to come out and be like, we'll we'll join another conference. We'll leave the Big Ten. It's like, don't let the door hit you on the way. Well, yeah, I, I, that's a whole nother topic of of conversation that I definitely want to want to get to. I want to wrap up this real quick before we jump into that because that's absolutely worth talking about. But I think it might be a little more lighthearted. Um, I do want to ask, what do you think realistically? So Big Ten right now is still saying they will try for a spring season. A, do you think there's any chance that that, well, I guess it's a three-part question. Do you, A, do you think there's any chance that that happens? B, do you think there's any chance winter sports start on time? And C, even if you can play these sports, is it a good idea? Loaded question. Okay. So one, I've yet to see any um, reasons to believe in the leadership at any of these institutions that they could put together a plan that would allow for a spring season. Because as long as there is a virus and there are not vaccines for said virus that are working and being able to be mass distributed, I have no reason to believe these guys are able to put something together. They had five months to do it. They're essentially going to get four more. Why do? Why should I think that they're going to be able to put something together now with with the same amount of information? You know, it's like I have a hard time trusting them. Let's say that they do maybe outsource some ideas because clearly they weren't able to come up with anything on their own. I think, yeah, you could probably think of something because, again, there are other organizations that have been able to play and do things. Um, we're watching them right now in the NHL and NBA playoffs. Um, again, if we just rip off the Band-Aid of this amateurism thing, then yes, it is possible. Is it a good idea? Honestly, if, if done correctly, just like the NBA and NHL we've seen to date, I don't see why it isn't because there is this argument that if you're put into a bubble, you're and it's well regulated, you're in a better situation than you and I. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think if it's done correctly and diligently and it's absolutely fine to do that. Um, and I think there is a very real opportunity to do it in the spring. Um, we are fortunate to be in a region of the country that has multiple indoor uh, stadiums um, where such games or scrimmages, exhibitions, whatever you want to call them, could be played. Um, Minneapolis has one. Indianapolis has one. Detroit, um, Milwaukee, the baseball stadium. I mean, the UP has one, the Uperdome. For help for all, nah. I mean they're there, right? It's not like they're for attendance. We're not packing people in to watch. We just need a place that can cover it up during a blizzard. Right. But yeah, I think absolutely it's possible. I just have a vote of, vote of no confidence in the leadership to date to make that happen. Yeah, I think another factor in there. Yeah, I I think you know. <laughs> Could they theoretically? Yes. I think what it boils down to for the spring is a should they. Because if you are going to now, whether it's true or not, put the 
facade out there of we are doing this for, for player safety, not because we're idiots, then you have to then stick with that the whole way through. And you can't say that now and then ask players to play two full football seasons in nine months. Yeah. You just can't do it. You, you, you flushed that right down the drain. Like you, you can't, I, I mean, I'll put it this way. If they can, they will. I think they'll abandon that line of thinking as soon as they possibly find a reason to do so. You know, that virus dips down below a certain point and you better believe they will find a way to play. No question. They, they will, at least they'll try. Um, whether they're competent enough to or not, you know, remains to be seen. Um, but I just don't know how you can say on one hand, we care about these guys. We care about their health. And then you turn around and you're like, Oh, by the way, play the most grueling sport for, I don't know, basically a year in a row. Like, I just don't know how you can talk out of, you know, both sides of your mouth when it comes to that. I mean, we will get to our solution for hoops because it's a little easier to organize, um, with just based on numbers. Um, Mm -hmm. Than, than football with, you know, 85 scholarship players, the infinite number of coaches seemingly on the sidelines, right. plus trainers. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a mess on those sidelines. So, um, but basketball, a little simpler. We can get to that idea a little bit later. Um, really, really disappointing week for so many different reasons. Um, we'll be fascinated to see how the other three uh, power five conferences continue to trudge forward into the tornado. um, That is the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, Best of luck to them because I would love to watch a little, little pigskin on a Saturday and Sunday to be (laughs) frank. But um, who knows what Um, the NFL's trying to do. Well, I mean, yeah, NFL is a whole nother beast. I think that that's one where these guys are getting paid millions of dollars. They have the ability to say, I'm willing to risk that for this amount of money or not. That one I feel a little bit better about. It's still going to be weird watching it because it just is going to feel so I just not going to totally know how to feel about it. But I at least they're they're not they're making money. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. that's a career. You've chosen to do that. Yep. College football is a little bit different, but. Um, speaking of one of those teams that wants to trudge directly into the tornado, Nebraska, we do want to talk about them. Um, they have been talking a real big game the last few days saying how, uh, you know, they would consider leaving and all of these things. Um, I'm awesome. very interested in how you feel about that. Cause I feel a very specific way. Awesome. For some of our new listeners, um, we roll out every fall a, a, a bit called Why Your Program Stinks. And this is an impromptu version of Why Your Program Stinks. <laughs> because I it, it, like I, I think I said it earlier, the arrogance for them to to um, put their noses up at the Big Ten and say, well, we'll leave and find someone better. It is is mind boggling to me because um, you left the Big Twelve to come to a better home. Where are you gonna go? And not only that, who would have you? Because you are not nearly as hot as the person that you tell yourself you are when you look in the mirror. 
you are 20 years older than that picture you took that that looks pretty good of you as your profile <laughs> picture okay you are fatter uglier stretch marks there's time has no, not been kind to you it's not been kind time has not been kind to you it's been a long time since anybody has found you attractive and frankly you've you brought back the best thing possible the the revolution to revive your program Mama's calling Scott Frost home, and he's put together back-to-back losing seasons. And you still want to you still want to roll roll out there and see what and see another losing season is 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 just incredible to me. I I, I applaud the ignorance. It, it's a yeah. It, it's it's it is borderline impressive in the same way that. Uh, like the the Michigan difference arrogance is really impressive. Um, the Nebraska difference arrogance is is super impressive. I think it's even more impressive, honestly, because they don't have the education to even like fall back on. Like Michigan can mm-hmm. can tout you know the Harvard of the Midwest. Whether that's true or not is is up to the individual. But um, I heard their general studies degree is a very very good one. Uh, but anyways, um, but they. Nebraska doesn't even have that like in their pro- football program. You ran the best thing you've had since Tom Osborne out of town. Like, mm-hmm. I- I'm just not sure who you think you are. And t- it's actually funny because I'm going back to the very beginning of it. Like I didn't even think Nebraska was that like sexy of a get to begin with, even in 2008 or whatever, whenever that was maybe later than that. I don't remember. Um, no, 2011. Uh, they it's were the awesome, third, third, third most prestigious. You know like, what it was? Fourth most prestigious program in their conference at the time. Like Austin, I, we're sitting, we're sitting at a wedding. We're at a wedding table. We're sitting there. We see other people's name cards at the wedding table. We see Nebraska is now at the table. We look at each other and we say, oh, "She was kind of hot in high school. That's cool. She was hot." <laughs> Remember her? That yes, this is this could be a good night. And then yeah. she rolls in, and it's just it is not what it used to be, Austin. It was it She's was not until the wine gets poured. It and was then a things disappointment. Really go off the rails. It was a disappointment all the way across the board. You know they came. They've had one division title, and in their nine seasons in the Big Ten West. I More mean, than some can say. Northwestern has one. Like let's let's well, not let's be careful with being proud of our program. The, here's a tweet that happened today. This guy, uh, sports anchor reporter from Lincoln, Nebraska, tweets: Nebraska fans on Twitter ready to fight anyone and everyone. Hashtag Huskers, and has a 15 second clip of a Nebraska team walking onto the field. Getting really pumped up, yelling and screaming, okay? Took me 60 seconds of sleuthing to see that this was a Frank Solich team from 2002. And based on the crowd, it was at Kansas State. Nebraska lost that game 49-13. to I think it's important. That just really summed it all up for me. Like, they yeah. talk and talk and get really pumped up about themselves. But no one cares. And then 
I think the other funny part is like they expect other people to care, but no one does. Like they're like, man, don't talk about our bad season. And we're like, huh? Oh, you had another bad season. Yeah, I guess we expected that. Cool. Oh, yeah. You're just you're just the, the another red team in the Big Ten. <laughs> like, I, like at least the other red teams are like spectacularly bad in Rutgers, historically dominant in Ohio State. You know, Indiana is kind of falls in that same thing without all of the self righteousness. Like uh, everybody else has a redeeming quality. Like seriously, even Rutgers. Like at least they're like, hey, we're just going to be so bad. Um, You've got Wisconsin. Well, of course. And there's Wisconsin, who is like actually legitimately very good and probably deserves to be the only red team. And there's just, and I'm sure I'm forgetting one. There's just Maryland. so many. Maryland, yes, with spectacularly bad uniforms. They have that, you know, something, East Coast. I don't know. Nebraska brings no prestige. Like it's out, you know, n- no prestige. They think they bring prestige, they don't. You bring no recruiting area. You bring no TV market. I, I mean, just go back. Honestly, just go back to the Big 12. We will trade you straight up Big 12. I don't know, Missouri, West Virginia. Like, okay, I'll, make, I'll make those deals for either of them. More relevant program, Nebraska or Tennessee? I, that's a great question. I mean, I don't know. I'm just going to say Tennessee only because of the memes that they've brought to us over the past few years, like the trash can that they used to hold up. Uh, That was was pretty great. Um, Yeah. Cultural relevance, Nebraska, not, not up near the top. And it was funny because we, we put a round table article out today and one of them was, you know, let's say Nebraska does leave the conference, you know, who would you want to replace them with caveat here? is that um, the Notre Dame was not allowed to be a choice because I think that would be everybody's – I think sure. that's the first logical answer to the question. Um, but let, if they're not on there, I, I said – so I answered this question in an interesting way. The first thing I said was first thing I would do is take the moment to kick Rutgers out. Sure. That's what I would – that would be my, the first thing I would do. So and let's say there's two – What's that? Addition by subtraction. Yes, correct. Much addition. Many addition by subtraction. Um, so I said that first and foremost. Um, now, let's say there's two, two spots available. Just to, to do this thought exercise. I said first call would be to Oklahoma and Texas. Say, so, hey, guys, why don't you leave the rest of this dead weight behind? Because that's really all the rest of the Big 12 is. Truly in football, it's, it's those two in a bunch of dead weight. Um, leave those two behind. Come join us. You get to play Ohio State. You get to play Michigan. You get to play Penn State, Michigan State, like Wisconsin, all the big programs. You got plenty of, um, I mean, imagine the numbers that those games would do, the contracts that that the Big Ten could could get from all that. It'd be insane. Um, so come be a part of that. Assuming they'd say no, which they might, probably would. My next call, my next call would be to Kentucky and Tennessee. Now, I don't think either of those teams would leave the SEC. I just, I just don't. Like they both associate associate themselves with the South, which is fine. They're kind of where the South begins. Um, but in terms of appeal for those two schools, I mean, for the Big Ten, I think the appeal is obvious. Like they, you know, there's a hundred thousand seat stadium in Neyland, and I, I think 
up in Nebraska to Tennessee, like switch would be an unequivocal upgrade. I mean, you get much more fertile recruiting territory, you get more exposure in, in the South and you get a program that, you know, is not hyper relevant, but at least attract attracts people and isn't in the middle of absolutely nowhere with nothing to bring to you from a marketing perspective. At least, I mean, Tennessee's got good alums too. Nebraska doesn't even have fun alums. Their most fun alum is the dude who stepped on another guy repeatedly in the (laughs) NFL and played for the lions. Like that's what they've got. That and Eric Crouch, those are your big draws. Um, And so I, I, I would put Tennessee right up there. And I think Kentucky would make a lot of logical sense as well. Again, I don't see them leaving. I think in all reality, if you had to pick a team to replace them, I think it would probably be someone else in the Midwest. And I think it would likely come down to one of one of four teams. And that would be uh, Cincinnati, Pitt, Louisville, and Missouri. I think one of those four teams in all likelihood would be the one to replace Nebraska. Is there any of those four that you think would be better or worse or more likely or less likely? Can I, can I give different options? Absolutely. You can. I'm going to go with Virginia tech. And the reason I go with Virginia tech is, you know, if the big 10 is serious about, you know, academics being a, yep thing that matters they will qualify where nebraska did not um so the i think and and frankly they have pretty decent um football and basketball programs which is also matters right like 100 not not great but the football team is certainly fine um it and i mean the basketball team beat us last year so who are we to talk um, the other one I would consider also, you're comparing them to Nebraska basketball, exactly. like they're exactly. better. It's an upgrade. The, the other one I would consider, um, Syracuse, um, you know, we made the joke about Rutgers was going to capture the New York city market. Syracuse actually does that if we're being serious about it. And it's really not even that big of an if imprint, but, um, it does. They do again. If we're comparing football and basketball program neck and neck with Nebraska football and basketball, it's probably the same. Like, mm-hmm. who cares? Um, but a little more um, regional, I think, as well. And if again, if we're really going to try and capture markets here, dropping the Omaha one and getting one one hundredth of the New York City market, that's still bigger. So absolutely a nod to them. And then maybe one other one um, just for fun. Boston College, miserable at sports, but um, don't mind another layup in in hoops and football. Would like to avenge the Matt Ryan loss and uh, <laughs> and, the, and, and a decent school as well. So it's like it's like Notre Dame light. You know, yeah, so. we could have the nerd bowl between them and Northwestern. Um, so a few others for your consideration. Yeah, I think that's interesting. All right. Wait, while we're here, I want to I want to name some more Nebraska slander. I'm going to yes. name some teams that have had a more recent conference championship than Nebraska. OK. I'm ready. Illinois. 
Maryland, Purdue, Northwestern, Pitt, Georgia Tech, Wake Forest. Don't you slam Tech. Not on these airwaves. (laughs) Boston College. Cal. Colorado. Oregon State. Oh, that's the worst one. (laughs) These programs have all won a conference title more recently than Nebraska. So I am so sorry that I do not care if you want to leave our conference. Yeah, I don't care. I mean, again, I never really had any opinion on Nebraska before. I don't have much of an an opinion now. It's just they're they're here. That's great. Good for them. Um, I I think my favorite – one other one I would throw in there, and I think I said this earlier, was West Virginia. I think West Virginia would be a really interesting addition. Um, again, market-wise, if that's what we're going for, they're not going to be the choice, obviously. Right. But I do think it would be interesting to see. I think regionally, obviously, it makes a lot of sense. Um, it gives you two above-average programs, if above-average to good programs, to be honest. Basketball and, and football are both strong. Um and, you know, kind of brings a different element to the to the Big Ten that we haven't really had. Um, oh, I will say if I, if I that is. Yes, that is true. Yeah, it would be fun. We'd have like, you know, drinking moonshine in Appalachia. Like, Buddy. Who's, who, who's angry about that? Like, that'd were, be great. Were you at the 2010 Final Four? Uh, which? To, uh, no. That okay. was the one against Duke? Uh, it or was, Butler? It was Butler. And no, let me tell you, the four programs there, <laughs> it was it was um, definitely a one of these things is not like the other. And usually <laughs> Michigan State is can easily um, fall into uh, the goofy, um, absurd drunkard. Of the yes. four at Final Four parties, but I've West Virginia, those before they had it covered. <laughs> Duke and Butler were were standing together in the corner, appalled, because <laughs> when Michigan State is saying like, "Hey man, that you're getting a little wild," you know it's bad because West Virginia fans were out of control, just out of control. <laughs> I'm not sure they know what it's like to be in control. They seem like they're just like the friend you have where you're like, when you go out with them, you're like, wow, this is going to be intense. And you just have to prepare yourself for that. West Virginia is the friend that your significant other hates go out with them because she knows it's going to be a bad night. You're going to do something stupid. Yeah. (laughs) And this is the friend that makes it happen. It's like you have the friend who she doesn't like because – he always knows a guy and you go to like some fancy place and spend too much money and maybe have too much to drink. But this other dude doesn't know anybody like <laughs> Virginia doesn't know anyone, but he's, he's going to act like he knows everybody, but he doesn't know anybody, but he's there to have a good, like you're, you're following him to a house party, but he doesn't know anyone at the house. Like you're just oh, going to a, a house party. It's a high school house party. And he's the one that sells those kids, the weed and he's 30. <laughs> That is who West Virginia is. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. That's pretty accurate. Listen, listen, it's an element we don't currently have. 
And the thought of watching, like, let's say West Virginia played at Northwestern for you Chicago residents that also listen to this podcast. I would go to that game, like, just to just to say I went. Like it, it'd be like what, like going birding and just being like I saw the rarest bird ever. Like this 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 natural wonder, like the Northern Lights. I would love to see it. So I'm personally I'm here for, for it. I would like All to right. be part Should of your we, social experiment. You're welcome to join. Should we uh, take a quick break? Let's do it. Okay, we're gonna try. Ready, go. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. And we're back, I think. Okay. Every once in a while, I get them right. We'll see if that happens this time. Um, all right. So enough football and clowning on our, you know, Nebraska, quote unquote, current temporary brethren. Um Let's talk about some, or enough about football. Let's talk about basketball. Some things happened in the past week that were both good and bad for Michigan State. Okay. The good, go ahead. You 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 lead this one. The good is Xavier Tillman is going to make some money. He declares for the NBA. The bad, Dick Vitale might be the reason he's going to the NBA. As that is. So upsetting and so legitimately, like actually maybe true that it it upsets me on such a deep, like part of my soul. Like it upsets me so much that that dude knows how to use Twitter and did so to help us lose a very good player. Like, so, uh, so if you didn't hear, Xavier Tillman did go on record that, um, Dick Vitale's tweet video and slash video of and kind of saying he, he heard rumors that Tillman was coming back kind of rubbed him the wrong way. And um, is that the reason he decided to go pro? Probably not. Is it a reason? Probably. And um, someone's got to take the mic away from both Dick Vitale and while we're here taking mics away, Lou Holtz. For that matter, so. Oh my God, <laughs> Lou Lou Holtz out here comparing college football to storming the beaches of Normandy is like, like it's a line. If you put it into a script, you would get rejected. They'd be like, no one would actually say this ever. It's almost like for any reason. If that was an SNL skit, I would have changed the channel because it's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> But it, but that's a thing Lou Holtz did. Yeah, so back, back to Lou Holtz, totally all there. Back to Xavier Tillman. He declares for the NBA, and I would like to um, take a moment to acknowledge the glow up 
of Xavier Tillman. You know, he he came on campus. Um, I would say like a not a highly regarded recruit, certainly a a a must have in state four star talent. But he came in um, undersized, definitely um, overweight, and in th- you know three short seasons that we had him, he transformed into one of the best players in the country and definitely the best defensive uh, post player in the country. And like, what a turnaround from his freshman year. Yeah. And I think it was, I feel a little justified because I do remember saying very early on, I don't think we've seen nearly what you should expect to see out of this guy. Like, like I, the potential was, was always there. And I think where he really overachieved, like you said, was the defensive side of the ball like this. I mean, he, he is one of those classic Izzo dudes that just mm-hmm. came in and was made into a, just a significantly better player. Um, and I'll, I'll be completely honest. He has ended up being a better player than I think anybody realistically would have looked at him coming in and said, Oh yeah, this guy's going to, Big Ten defensive player of the year, first team. Like, I just don't know that anybody ever had that initial expectation of him. So, um, 100% huge. Agree. 100% agree. I mean, he um, is st- and still hasn't hit his ceiling. Um, he has uh, quite a bit of work to do on his long distance shooting. Um, you know, he will always be undersized in the NBA. Uh, but, you know, as you mentioned, his instincts on the defensive side and his positioning. Um, have have really put him on, frankly, draft boards. You know, he finished as the MSU's all-time block leader in just three seasons, um, he, which is good, incredible. Good for 36th best in Big Ten history. And again, he only played for three seasons. He was, I want to note, before the season was canceled, he had anywhere between uh, two and nine more games to go, Right. And he will finish the season with the seventh most rebounds in a single season in MSU history. But if he had played um, seven games, he would have been on pace to break Draymond Green's all-time record. And so Michigan State's had some pretty good individual rebounders in his time. And for him to be potentially, arguably, if we had continued the season, the best is quite a state. Right, while sharing the floor with guys like Jaron Jackson and Nick Ward and these other dudes that were also grabbing a ton of rebounds. That adds it even a whole nother level of of impressiveness to that whole thing. I mean, and by the way, his recruiting class ended up being him and Jaron Jackson. Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, Two defensive players of the year for the conference. Yeah, I just just remarkable. It it just if anything, it teaches you like, yeah, Izzo's out here getting these, you know, obviously these five stars, which is so much fun. Never write off these four stars. These guys like Xavier Tillman to look at this year's roster guy like AJ Hoggard, like he can do just about anything with anybody. So uh, shout out to Xavier, though. It's not it's not easy. To, it's, it's not to say it's Tom Izzo doing it. It's 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 takes a guy with Xavier Tillman's work ethic to become the type of player that he became. So that's it's awesome for him that he's going to the NBA. I, I think he, you know, the other note that we got is that Aaron Henry is coming back. 
Um, initially, I think we all looked at it kind of a no brainer. Um, he's going to take on a huge role. I think he'd probably be the kind of the second facilitator offensively on this year's team. Um, but I think it, the, the, like the verdict's kind of out on whether this is going to end up being a good decision or not because yeah. of the unknown element of this season. Like if this season's not going to get played, I mean, and there is still time technically for him to declare that he can still go to the draft. The NBA extended their deadline at this point. I genuinely would not blame them for going to the draft. Like if you're just going to waste a year and not get paid, not get drafted, not have even have the chance to potentially like go overseas or begin your professional career for, for nothing. Yeah, like, I wouldn't blame him for going if he still decided to go. But as of now, he'd be a part of the team. Here, here are your options. Hope that people who have proven um, to be incompetent pull it together. Or go pro, maybe not even get drafted or make a roster, but know or at least be told that there will be a G League bubble or be mm-hmm. some type of, of professionally organized thing that you can be a part of and, like you said, get paid to do it. And at worst, be be, be playing organized basketball. Right. Whereas potentially, as you mentioned, if there's no season, the, Aaron Henry and, frankly, everyone will have gone over a year plus and maybe even into, if it goes past the summer of 2021, like a year and a half plus of not playing a single organized right. competitive game. And these years, as we always talk about your age is of so much value to the NBA and you've essentially lost that and potentially didn't get better in that time. Right. So I don't know. And if then I'm, you're entering like a log jam of, of people trying to get to the NBA. I mean, it just, it's it, these guys, I think Aaron Henry is in, one of the more precarious positions that probably any individual in, in college potentially going to the NBA is finding themselves in. Like, like truly he is in as bad a place as you can be. You're right. And I would, or as tough a place. I would say in an even more difficult spot might be for other guys who were maybe thought to be NBA drafty picks, Luca Garza, Kofi Coburn, Eildo Sunmu, Isaiah Livers, I mean, those guys are in the same predicament, and I just wouldn't be shocked if by the new deadline date, I think it's August 21st, I wouldn't be shocked if you saw one of those guys change their minds if we don't see any type of plan delivered by the powers that be. Because we already laid out their situation. You know, there's this is their career we're talking about. So... Yeah. And I think, you know, it, I guess it really just boils down to like, I I think what you have to do if you're Aaron Henry is you have to decide like, to me, your decision now is I'm either coming back with the understanding that if we don't play this season, I'm staying for my senior year. Like I really don't think you can half ass it because, you know, in all likelihood, well, not in all likelihood, but, I would one would hope that by November 2021, we got this thing to a place where you can play at mm-hmm. least a relatively normal and collegiate 
basketball season. Now, again, so many variables that no, no real way to say confidently that that'll happen, but with the exception of just saying there's time and potentially a vaccine, but you know, if you're okay with losing this season, understanding that you're going to come back, if that does happen, then that's fine to me. That's okay. If you're just going to say, well, whether we play or not, I'm leaving after this year, then just go like, Mm -hmm. don't wait. Like, I, I don't see why you would hesitate a year, potentially not play basketball for a year and, and just put yourself, you know, really behind the eight ball, even more than you kind of already are. So it, it'll be interesting to see how they handle it, to see if any of those guys kind of flip. Um, but honestly, if they do, I wouldn't blame them, any of them. So, yeah, absolutely. So here's here's a take that might be a little odd. You know, while Xavier Tillman is undeniably – an All-American if he comes back, um, plays for Michigan State. Potentially Aaron Henry's return, while not the same caliber player as Xavier um, currently, but he may have been as an important of a piece as him, strictly based on how the roster plays out. Because that front court is very crowded, and the wing position gets a little wonky, especially if uh, Aaron Henry isn't um, on the roster. Yes, I agree with you. It's kind of funny, you know, Henry was the first one to come out and say he was coming back. And I think we kind of had that initial reaction of And I didn't really think about it until after it happened of like, oh, this is this is actually potentially an even bigger deal. It was Xavier was always kind of viewed as obviously, like you said, the better player, but um, a little bit more of a luxury. Because if you look at the depth chart for next year, the names that could play the four or the five, there's, if you look at what's going to be in the front court, you're talking Joey Hauser, Marcus Bingham, Malik Hall, Thomas Githier, Julius Marble, and Matty Sissoko, for sure. And that's <laughs> without even going small and talking about maybe Gabe Brown playing support, Aaron Henry sliding down. The glut is at that, call it three, four, to five so not pure threes but like three four swing wings um swing forwards and you know it's going to be very interesting to see what happens there and Xavier Tillman while he would have added obviously the best player in that group Mm -hmm. wouldn't have really solved the issues necessarily that MSU is is facing whereas Aaron Henry if he was not coming back um he was he would have been creating an issue his absence would have created an issue because the guards right now you're looking at rocket watts foster lawyer josh langford um gabe brown and then aj hoggard and that's without without henry being a part of that equation that's real light i mean you're including a sixth year senior who's had two season ending injuries foster lawyer who we know his limitations a true freshman in aj hoggard and Gabe Brown, who's been really streaky. And then on top of that, you're asking Rocket Watts to essentially become a point guard, which is a mm-hmm. role that he played sparingly last year. And, you know, I don't think there's any doubt he can do it, but he's got a different mentality than the guy who played point guard the last four years. And there's going to be a big learning curve there. So um, losing Aaron Henry would have been pretty devastating to that, to that roster. And I, I think it maybe gets lost in the, in the shuffle of, of Xavier Tillman that, that his return is actually potentially for this specific team more important. It's a good, it's a good call out. And, and the other piece as well, Xavier Tillman is rightfully 
um, you know, defensive player of the year in the conference. Aaron Henry, a great defender in his own right. Um, great defender. Another element that, you know, <laughs> you list off some of the other folks that would have been in that wing position. And Gabe Brown, mm, not, not, you know, neutral. Um, Josh yeah, Langford, don't know his lateral capability right now. Um, Malik Hall uh, has some trouble getting low sometimes, stand straight up. You know, there's just a there's just a gap, right? And so I think there's a there's a sense of relief in a minute plugger in Aaron Henry, where you know you can expect him to have plus minutes, and and you can be confident most of the times he's on the floor. And what a relief as um, some of the other pieces settle in, um, strong pieces around him, but but pieces as you mentioned who may be out of position, haven't been there a while, who haven't played before. Um, kind of settle into the gel that um, it takes Izzo a month or three to, to find. <laughs> so um, with that, we did have one other piece of news. Um, we alluded to it a couple months ago, but there was a 13th scholarship open. Um, <laughs> if, if one of, or both decided to go pro and Xavier Tillman and, uh, Aaron Henry. And so with that open scholarship, the 13th went to Jack Hoiberg. Step back, Jack. I think it's obvious what's going on here. It's Tom Izzo's way of keeping Jack. This this was the promise all along. This was the way to keep him in the fold, mm-hmm. not transferring to, to Nebraska where he would undoubtedly play, I don't know, double-digit minutes every game? Yeah, and... That, while we love, this is a very pro-Jack Hoiberg um, podcast, a situation where Jack is needing to play double-digit minutes a night is not one that I'd like to explore in the near future. Um, No, I'd I'd opt out on that plan. (laughs) In Big Ten play, at least. Um, But, uh, yeah, well-earned to our friend Jack, um, who in the few, you know, limited time we got to see looked very comfortable um, I'd like to squash one piece of, I think, I don't know if it's even a take that sometimes circulates the Twitterverse, that Jack Hoiberg could give better minutes than Foster Lawyer. And um, we saw Jack play well a handful of times. He, he made hit the floor. While I think that is um, well-intentioned, it's misguided. Jack Hoiberg, especially as a walk-on, um, comes on the floor and has absolutely nothing to lose and plays quite fearlessly, which is great. Foster, Foster Lawyer, on the other hand, played with something to lose, and it showed. Hopefully he can overcome that. Everybody say hi to John's dog. Um, yes, I would – while he's a good man. Um, so, yeah, it's it's – I would agree with you. I mean, whatever. It's such a Michigan State Twitter argument. It's really actually quite hysterical. I think Jack Hoiberg honestly looks like a capable preferred walk-on. I mean, I think he's the type of dude that would actually maybe, I don't know where he's going to get real minutes. Nebraska, again, D1 is the only place where he's probably going to be a factor like that. Uh, Or one of, you know, a situation equivalent to that where you just need guys eating minutes. But that don't don't mistake that with the fact that Foster Lawyer is just like some 
scraggly bum like that. This dude won Mr. Basketball. He was a top 100 recruit. Like, yeah, he's going to have limitations. And yes, he's looked highly uncomfortable there in the past. But I think he's, yeah, to, to, to say one is better than the other in that way is, is a little greedy. Um, now, we've saved this news for the very end because we are recording on Wednesday night. And we're just going to operate under the assumption that this happened. So we didn't want to lead with it. Obviously, we wanted to start with all of the football stuff and even some other basketball news. But um, it looks like Michigan State has gotten another 2021 incredible basketball recruit. This time it is four-star point guard, point guard uh, Jaden Akins. Um, first of all, John, I got to say – little disappointing that it's a four star and not a five star. I'm just saying I kind of got used to that. And um, I'm just wondering, you know, has Izzo lost his touch? I'm just kind of not, I'm a little concerned. Um, I was getting nervous. So. <laughs> Austin, it had been two weeks since we had landed a top 100 recruit and um, people were talking. It's concerning. There's just no way around it. It's concerning. Um, and so uh, you know, it's crazy to look at that class and think, oh, there really was a missing piece. But truly, when you you looked at that that group, the only thing that was really missing was you know kind of a an athletic plus defending good shooting con- uh, facilitator. And lo and behold, that's exactly what Jay Nakins is. I mean, th- this dude is. Uh, he's a big time athlete. First of all, I think he's the type of athlete that MSU hasn't had at point since, I mean, I'm going to say Keith Appling, but I genuinely think that he is a better athlete than Keith Appling, which makes me think I'm not even sure what point guard MSU has had. That's been that super duper level of athlete that Aikens is. I mean, he's, he's not Russell Westbrook, but he is that type of lengthy explosive, uh, can cram on anybody at any time type of athlete. And then on top of all of that, he has got the size at six, three to be a, a big time plus defender, which, you know, you've got some other, another, a, a few other really, really good uh, players on that team who could profile to the same role. And then he really shoots the lights out of the ball. I mean, the, the thought of a Max Christie, Jaden Akins, Imani Bates group out there together brings length. It brings versatility and man, it brings shooting like that. That is a, that is a dangerous core. Jaden Akins is uh, just an incredible addition, quite honestly, to this, to this group. And it's very, very exciting as always to win uh, for one of the best in-state recruits. Yeah. That's always a win. As you mentioned, um, continuing to, uh, own the the state um, and having having control over um, the De- metro Detroit area is equally important. Um, a few other offers <clears throat> that this kid got I think are relevant: um, Louisville and Iowa. Um, neither made his top five, but while we cr- um, clown on Fran McCaffrey quite a bit, if there's one thing that he is good at is identifying scorers. And yep. If Iowa offers you, it's because they believe you can get buckets. So that is a plus for him. His top six um, were narrowed down to Northwestern, DePaul. Don't listen. I don't know, man. He must have liked Chicago. 
Um, Mississippi State, which might sound odd, but it makes a little more sense when you understand that Ernie Ziegler is uh, assistant down at Mississippi State. Mm -hmm. He used to be um, head coach at Central Michigan um, and then an assistant, I believe, at the University of Detroit Mercy. So he's been around Jaden for a while. Um, And then the other two, Florida and Michigan. Um, Michigan State was kind of in the lead with Jaden Akins, honestly, since his name popped. Um, as a top, you know, recruit of his class for 2021 um, out of Farmington. And I think there's just like you said, a lot to be excited about. We, we gushed over Xavier Tillman um, because of his glow up. Um, there's a term that the Michigan State program uses, um, OKG, and that's that's acronym for our kind of guy. And Jaden Akins is, is definitely that for me. You know, he is a, when you think of a Michigan State player, you know, it's a program guy, not a one and done generally. Um, it's a guy that gets a lot better and wants to get a lot better from day one on campus, might not play a lot his freshman year, and he's okay with that, and and finds a different role um, each year until he blossoms as an upperclassman and becomes um, a true leader and, and owns the spotlight. I think that's what you're getting with with the Jaden Akins um, recruit, I, what what do you think? Yeah, I I think he is. I, I think OKG is a great way to describe him. I also I also think you could be looking at a Rocket Watts scenario with with him, where you know his freshman year, he's going to play more than the typical freshman, and he's going to play a more important role, I think, than the typical freshman. Um, but his sophomore year, I think he's really going to get the chance to pop because a lot of those names that are coming in with him are probably going to see their way to the league uh, quite quickly. And he's going to have a chance to really be the starring role as a sophomore. So I don't know that you're looking at a four year player. He's has, he's so advanced in has physical gifts that not a ton of guys at his position have. So I think um, for a pro comparison, the guy that I see a lot of in him, and it's one of my favorite old players, is De'Aaron Fox. Um, I don't know that he has the same level of top-end speed, but from a shooting stroke, it's just as pure, honestly, if not even a little bit more. He's right-handed as opposed to Fox is left-handed, but um, he's got that kind of way to that like get up where you don't realize how tall he is. And then when he goes up and crams, you're like, whoa, that was big time. So mm-hmm. um, he reminds me a lot of Fox, who obviously ended up being a top 10 pick. I don't know that Aikens is a top 10 pick, obviously way too early to say that, but um, that's who he reminds me of. And I think he's got a chance to be a, obviously a part of a great team as a freshman and, and a star moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we have been patiently waiting for this 2021, 2022 basketball season. And while we would love uh, uh, a, a hoops season in between, um, that's the one, that's the one we've had our eyes on for a while. So absolutely, let's let's clean it up, boys and girls, and uh, let's get let's get a let's get a vaccine so we can we can yeah. watch the sports, huh? Chop chop science, chop chop. <laughs> um, all right, John. Well, I think that about does it for us on this one. Um, as always, everybody. Even though there are no sports, thank you for sticking with us. We love doing this and. Um, We'll probably be back relatively soon. Who knows? Whenever there's another big update. So um, 
As always, thanks for sticking with us, guys. For John, this has been Austin, and we will catch you next time. See you.